Welcome to the Wealth Time Freedom Podcast, where we decode the psychology of money, uncover the principles of personal finance, and learn how to put them into practice. This is all about escaping the rut race so we can win the game of life. It's personal finance, but with a big old dollop of personal development. If you're looking for answers, looking for motivation, or looking for help, you're in the right place. Our mission for this channel is to help you get as far as you can on your own. And then if you want to go further and faster, we can help with that too. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to the Passive Income Project. My name's Ryan Monaghan and with me, my co-host, Terry Condon. How are you, mate? Very well, mate. Uh, looking forward to today's episode. Yes, keen to dig into it. What are we chatting about today? Uh, we wanted to talk about how to escape the rat race by mastering your money luck. Okay. How, would, how do we do that? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about four ways to build wealth uh, and achieve financial self-reliance, which we'll discuss in a second. Um, and I guess... Talk about four strategies that have emerged from a little bit of research or a lot of research from our front, right? Yeah. A lot of back and forth, a lot of experimentation, observations around what we see, what works, and how ordinary people are doing this all the time. Yeah. I really think about what we're talking about today. The topic of it is really about how do you set the financial foundations for the lifestyle that you want to build, isn't it? How does personal finance fit into your life and what can you do? So yeah, you're spending more time on making progress as opposed to switching between different methods. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot. Of, I reckon without a game plan, which is what this is, it's a game plan. Uh, we tend to spend a lot of uh, energy on transition, going between one thing to the next. You know, one fad, one idea, <laughs> one opportunity yeah. to the next, instead of having a kind of a an overarching strategy uh, that we can kind of. Uh, you know, implement methodically in a way that sort of we start to build momentum and we get motivation from that. So largely around ignoring the quick fixes yeah. and the the common mistakes. So it's get quick, uh, get rich quick schemes that you see in the uh, the ads before your YouTube clips. Yeah, and really diving into the proven proven methods. Timeless. Yeah, these are timeless. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the key point to make with these. Is it doesn't matter what age you're talking about. These are the four path or the four strategies or approaches. Uh, that pretty much anyone that's ever achieved what we're aiming to achieve, this yep. is what they've done. Which is financial self-reliance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Financial self-reliance, what does that mean to you? To me, it's the point where my financial capital, which is my money, starts to work just as hard as I'm working. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is basically your, your, uh, your, your income from investments takes over what you need to live so if it, if it's costing me, you know, $5,000 a month to live based on my lifestyle level, I'm earning $5,000 from investments. So that, that to me is the point where you can wake up and choose whether you go to work today or not, or yep. what you choose to work on. Um, you know, if you're not happy doing something, you're not obligated. Probably that's the main part for me is uh, eliminating that word from your, your vocabulary. I have to. I'm obligated to go and do this because if I don't, X, Y, and Z consequences happen. Um, that to me is financial self-reliance. I don't, I'm not having to rely on um, any other organization or institution uh, to be able to live. So it's like it's freeing up your time and your money, I guess, so you can be doing things that are more meaningful to you. Yeah, that's right. Like, and we talked earlier about uh, my my story and being able to being able to transition away from one career into another, mm-hmm. um, financial, uh, a level of financial self-reliance was what, what allowed that to happen. Um, so I wanted to change my kind of, you know, the way I was earning my money. 
um, and the way I was applying my skills uh, and what environment I was uh, applying those in. And it was it was the money side of things that allowed me to do that. So definitely I think that's true, uh, having more meaningful experiences uh, and having more choice to be able to do it. Yeah. I love – I've mentioned it a few times and we might have heard it in other podcasts too, but uh, – the Stanford uh, commencement speech by Steve Jobs, I love how he talks about, I think that the phrase was, um, if today was my last day on earth, would I do what I'm about to do today? And I guess it really talks to that control of time and control of your day. Like you said, taking away that feeling of obligation to do the things that you don't really want to be doing. Yeah. And I guess being more selective as well. Definitely. And I think um, probably something to add to this as well is I reckon for me, for many years, I uh, I used to think, you know, just focus on your work stuff and the money stuff will sort itself out. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess the implicit assumption underneath that whole thing is that money is a distraction from your work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in actual fact, I found it to be the opposite. Uh, the more secure I felt financially, as as uh, as I start to get on top of this stuff and build my savings, start to get invested and that sort of thing, uh, I actually found I started to do better work because I was less I f- less worried about losing my job. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, that need for money, I knew I could survive for a, a good period of time, so I wasn't worried about uh, telling the truth. And I find that that happens a lot, uh, particularly if you are if you are in bigger organisations. There are a lot of people that don't tell the truth because the number one thing they want to protect is their income. Um, because they feel financially insecure. So for me, I found my work actually improved because of that as well. So this is not about necessarily stopping work. I really want to make that clear. Like for me, I don't think I'll ever stop work. I feel like retirement's a myth. We'll yep. probably talk about that on another episode. Uh, it's more about the way you relate to the work that you're doing, mm. the way you're spending that time. Because we'll actually say, and as we keep saying, time is your number one resource and if you're using it in a way or you're spending it in a way that you don't uh, appreciate and it makes you feel bad and you're living a poor life regardless of what you're doing and how much you make yeah brilliant so like financial when you get to that point of financial self-reliance it's really about having a clearer mind we, we did talk about in another podcast uh, how to think clearly about money yeah um really guess freeing up the 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 yoda Part of your mind, yeah. The golem part of your mind, I think, was the the analogy that we that we used. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And really taking the stress out of it too. I think that plays into so many different aspects of your life. When finances or your finances are a burden, you take you don't take your best self to work. You don't take your best self to yeah. your relationships. I think you actually isolate yourself from your tribe, and your attention split. There's actually good research out there out there to show that financial stress creates a cognitive tax, yeah, which basically means that you start to make small mistakes. So people that are um, you know really really battling financially, they tend to forget more. Mm. Uh, they tend to overlook small important details that, if not addressed, come back to buy them. So things like I forgot to pay that bill, uh, things like I forgot to take out insurance, yep. and then life comes along and does what it does. And these things that that could and should be small things that you can fix. Number one, they don't have the financial resources to deal with them. But number two, that should have been sorted and it's not. So these small things become big things really quickly. So this cognitive tax really does uh, make us less happy in that sense. Yeah. So it actually makes it harder to learn too. So yes, if your financial capital isn't in order, yeah, it actually makes it harder to build your human capital that then leads to um, 
how much you can earn. 100%. There's a great book called um, Brain Rules. John Medina is a, I don't even know how to pronounce his title, neuropsychobiologist or whatever, some smart guy, <laughs> right? Uh, and he wrote this great book called Brain Rules. And one of the rules that he talks about in that book is that his stressed brain doesn't learn. Yep. Um, and he talks a lot about that with kids, but, you know, the human brain's the exact same in that sense. If uh, if um, the golem part of us is switched on, uh, then the odor part of us just can't go to work. And that, that's a that's a physiological response too, isn't it? That's cortisol released through your through your veins, yep. making it extremely hard yep. for you to concentrate and yep. retain information. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, is it is it really achievable financial self reliance? And how quick can you do it, do you think? Well, I'd like to hope it is. That's why we're having this that's why we started this podcast. That's why we started the dojo. I think uh we're passionate about it because we saw other people's stories. I think for me, most Mr. Money Mustache was one, and uh, more recently, the Aussie Firebug. Love what he's doing with his podcast. If you haven't subscribed to it, have a listen. Um, For the last five years, we've worked with over 600 couples, and we've helped them to get in sync, play to each other's strengths, and start making the big money moves. And for the first time ever, we are lifting the lid on everything we've learned. We're running a live online webinar. And in this webinar, we're going to share exactly how our new money method works and how you can use it to find your financial fast mode and fund your big goals and dreams. If you're ready to get beyond learning and start winning together as a team, all you need to do to secure your spot is hit that link in the episode description below or go to cashflowco.com.au forward slash new money method. And hey, if you're coming along, don't forget to bring your better half. Yeah. The reason I ask that question is I think a lot of people push it out thinking that this doesn't really directly relate to me. If you're in your twenties or your thirties or even your forties, yeah, you're thinking uh, financial self-reliance and that idea of retirement, financial independence, retire early. Yeah. They think retirement is 60 yeah. or 65 Yeah, based on, you know, what does the government say yeah. retirement is when yeah. can you access your superannuation yeah. in Australian context? Yeah. Oh, and that's just, that's an assumption that can and should be questioned. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the whole point of this whole fire thing basically is saying, hey, hang on, society doesn't have to tell me what at what point I'll just choose when to stop working or how to live my life in that sense. Yep. I think I might take control of that myself. And if the whole game is based on this thing called money, then master that game. That's really what this whole thing's about, right? And yeah, like there's people all over the world achieving this all the time. Just Google fire, financial independence, retire early, get into any of the forums, see people's stories. Um, it's amazing and it's a really good way to get um, get inspiration. Hopefully we can have some of those people on this podcast uh, at some point in time. Uh, what I love about the fire movement is there's so many people just sharing their own stories. So the proof is in the pudding yeah. at every stage. Yeah. And really they're just documenting their own pathways. Yeah. So there's so much you can learn from it. Just just last week I heard a story um, about a local girl. I'm going to see if I can track her down that, uh, that paid off her house in 10 years. Now that's not fire, and in, in the sense that we're talking about, um, but what it is is it's all the skills that fire requires, and guarantee her life's a lot easier now because of that. She doesn't have a big fat mortgage payment that's uh, hanging over her head every month. She probably needs less to live on now because of that. She's got a lot more choice as well. So, you know, it, this happens. It happens all the time. Um, and yeah, I mean, for us, it's just about exploring how it happens and um, and learning as much as we can to to sort of, I guess, avoid avoid mistakes made by others and uh, leverage their learnings as, as much as we can. Yeah, perfect. So what we've done, we've really 
we've built out our four pillars for personal finance, haven't we? Based on research, looking at reading the books, yeah. um, looking at what the best in the world are doing, the success modeling, our own observation, then experimentation for building our own, um, our own personal finance, our own our financial capital. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about what those four pillars are yep. for personal finance. And just to give you a high level view before we dive into each, uh, they are maximize your earning potential, supercharge your savings, grow your money and shield yourself from disaster. And it's really important to start thinking about finding the balance across these four, four yep. pillars. Yep. Um, Cause we like to think that it, it's a bit like a, a table. With four legs, you know, if you take one leg away or even two, you completely lose um, your financial stability. Yep. Yep. It's like we said before, it's a game plan. You can't, you can't, you can't play a game all based on offense or all based on defense. Yep. And two of these principles are defense and two of them are offense yep. um, when we think about them like that. So, you know, when we look about, when we look at the four, maximize your earning potential is offense, supercharge your savings is defense, grow your money is offense. And shield yourself from disaster is defense. So it's about basically sort of bringing those two together, having this really good balanced game plan that um, that you're executing with perfection. Yeah. And really it's a chance to do a bit of a subjective analysis, I guess, on how you think you're going in these different areas too. Because we we have our own scorecards and, and we built this out for our members too, to start thinking through these these different pillars to say, Am I firing on all four cylinders or am I doing really well in one yeah. or two or yeah. maybe three, yeah. but there's one that's really letting me down. Yeah. So having that symmetry and the balance across the four is, is absolutely crucial. Absolutely. Let's dive into the first one. Maximize your earning potential. What does this mean to you? For me, this is just about investing in yourself. You know, you've probably heard that saying the um, investment in knowledge always pays the best dividends. Yep. Um, you know, if you listen to this podcast... You're investing in your knowledge. It's just about doing more of this, building your skills, building your, um, building your understanding, building your awareness um, in a career sense, uh, but also in the sense of understanding how the whole world works with regards to money. Uh, so when you do that, you're basically building what we call hum- your human capital. Um, you know, it's a pretty well-known term. I think economists sort of came up with it. And um, the more you build your human capital, the more your time is worth um, in terms of money. So, you know, think about it like this, uh, you know, we'll talk about doctors in a second in terms of saving, but, you know, doctors have quite high human capital because they've invested a lot of time learning a lot of important stuff that yep. helps uh, people in a really important way. So they have a lot of human capital, which is why they get paid more than more than most professions. Uh, so it's just about being really intentional, methodical, and really deliberate with investing time, resources in actually building up that uh, that human capital. Um, that's to me, that, that to me is what sort of maximizing your own potential is about. The great thing about this one is there's really no ceiling on what you can earn either. Yeah. It's just, you're limited by your creativity and your ingenuity. That's it. That's your own limitations here. That's, um, I think that's the coolest thing about it. And it's a lot easier, uh, to save when you're earning uh, more money because it takes less willpower and it's, you know, you don't have to make as many trade-offs in your life. Yep. What happens if you focus too hard on maximizing your earning poten- potential and neglect the others? This happens a lot, actually. It happens with a couple of professions. Um, I actually read some uh, a little bit yesterday on the professions that do the worst with money. And what do you reckon they are? I'd say medical. Yeah, doctors is one and lawyers is the other. 
Lawyers, okay. Yeah, so uh, like I said, these these guys, these professions have quite high human capital. Um, but what tends to happen is they've been tracked and trained so narrowly in their field of special specialty for so long that they kind of haven't had to think about this, you know, the other side of the coin a lot. Yes. Um, like things like saving, investing, all that sort of thing. And because they've had this period where, you know, they're building their skills and they're sort of sacrificing, you know, for, for example, a doctor might be in school in some way or another for 10 to 15 years and living, you know, living quite, um, uh, quite simply during that time. And then all of a sudden the human capital starts to pay off and they start to get a big flood of money coming their way. What do you reckon they do with it? Spend that stuff. So, um, when you focus too much on just the earning part of this equation, uh, you can neglect to build the discipline and the skills that actually make the the difference when it comes to achieving, um, you know, that ultimate goal of financial independence and uh, retirement early, if if that's what you want. Yep, and that's that lifestyle creep, isn't it? Yeah, earn more, burn more. Earn more, burn more. That's um, that's what they say. Yep. <laughs> All right. Pillar number two: supercharge your savings. So this is really about living within your means. It's spending less than you earn. Yep. And for this, for us, this is the critical factor. Doesn't work without this. Doesn't even matter how much you earn. It's um, you know, you guys probably you you heard about those stories of uh, you know, uh, multi-million dollar athletes over in the states signing hundreds of million dollars, hundred uh, contracts worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and then three to five years later, broke. Yep. Uh, that's a clear example of somebody who's neglected to understand you know this second part of the game plan and um, you know, really weak in this area and, and never uh, never addressed it. Yep. And this is the only way to fire, isn't it? The only way. Yep. Somebody who's earning $100,000 a year and saving 5000 is closer than the person who's earning $100 million and spending $100 million. <laughs> Simple as that. Brilliant. For, you, for the guys listening, if you've never listened, uh, never read the blog, The Shockingly Simple Math of Early Retirement by Mr. Money Mustache. Classic. Please get across there and have a, have a quick read. He, he lays out a table um, that looks at the savings rates. Yeah. And the resulting time or time in years until retirement. And it's kind of mind blowing. Oh, that's, I, I reckon it's the catalyst. Mm. I, I reckon if you read that and you really read it and you reread it, it hits home and you go, hang on, <laughs> hang on. Actually, this is the only thing that matters. Yep. Uh, what I'm earning, I can, I can definitely address that. And we, we don't, we don't say that that's not important, but if there's one thing that you cannot miss out on, it is building the discipline to save. And there's another great book that we sort of we go through with our members, uh, Millionaire Next Door. And yep. basically they, they come to the same conclusion. Um, you know, long story short, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of um, companies commissioned uh, a couple of smart academics to research, you know, self-made millionaires in America. And so what do they do? They went looking for these millionaires in all the likely places in the rich neighborhoods, couldn't find any. <laughs> Guess where they found them? Middle-class neighborhoods with normal cars that are outward appearances do not tell you the full story, basically. Um, and that's that's kind of the key message you get from that book. So if you really want to make sure that this point hits home and you want to really understand the logic um, and the math behind it and, and sort of, you know, I guess, make it work for you, read the shockingly simple, simple math and then go and read The Millionaire Next Door. Yeah. Oh, a, a perfect example from that is, and working off that table from Mr. Money Mustache's blog is, if you relied on superannuation, so say say you're saving 10%, yeah, you know, pretty much doing no savings yourself except the, the 10% that goes to, into your superannuation 
um, compulsory and versus saving 50%, you would retire or have the choice to retire 34 years sooner. If so, so if I, you're saying if I save 50%, I get 34 years of my life back. You get 34 years of your life back. So at 10%, you retire in 51 years. Yeah. And if you saved 50%, you would retire in 17, 17 years. years. Have that choice in 17 and years. And importantly, this is regardless of what you're earning, correct? Yeah, it doesn't matter what you're earning. Yeah. 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 And there are a couple of assumptions that go into that, that you are investing yeah. a large portion of the difference. Yeah. But- the numbers are still staggering. Yeah, oh, that's that's the one that sort of hits home. I reckon it's just, uh, just all the all the um, all the assumptions you have in your mind and all the, those little narratives about oh, you know, I think or I reckon one of the most seductive stories people tell themselves is, um, you know, future me is going to sort this whole thing out and they'll earn more money and they'll become a millionaire because yeah. they earn more money. But that never happens. Sorry to bust your bubble, it never actually happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a big part of it is. There, people know that there's a ceiling to how much you can save. Yep. Because you can only save as much as what you earn. That's the reality of it. Yeah. And, but the thing is, your saving is the only guaranteed return on effort that you'll ever have. That's, that to me is the, the big point to, to hit home as well, isn't it? Like, I know that if I save a dollar, I own that dollar. Yeah. I do not know that if I invest a dollar, I'll have that dollar. <laughs> um, you know, you, you know, when you go out in terms of time frames, yes, you can be pretty sure, um, but you can never be sure as when you're saving. Mm. And what I love about the saving side of thing is that's actually a double barrel benefit of saving, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Because one, yes, you increase how much money you have left over at the end of the month, every single month so that you can save and invest. Yep. But you also decrease the amount that you'll need every month as well. Yeah. You become more resourceful with, with what you have Yeah, and you make it work for you. Yeah. And that is the reason why you retire earlier too, because the income from your investments doesn't have to be as high. Yep. Um, it gets there, you know, it gets there sooner. And I love this, but just after having seen the minimalism documentary and, and exploring that and yep. the way that. A lot of guys in the fire community are actually living their lives in a more simplistic means. Yeah. But they appear to be getting a lot more out of it yeah. too. Yeah. Because it is on their own terms. Yeah. They're being so intentional about what they have and what they own that it's actually more meaningful to them. Yes. Yeah. Right. What happens if you focus too hard on savings? And Well, it's important to note, I reckon... It is healthy to have a bias towards saving. And if you're going to be a little bit weighted, you want to be weighted more towards saving than earning, mm-hmm. um, as we say, because without the saving part, none of it works. Uh, but if you do focus too hard on this at the expense of the other um, pillars, what can tend to happen is that you will actually rebel against yourself. The reality is the, the animal part of your brain knows that the future is fundamentally uncertain. And what that means is there's a logic in your brain that says, why would I work so hard for this savings target when I could get hit by a bus tomorrow Yeah, and none of this will have mattered? So if you push too hard, that part of you is going to start pushing back. And also, so so what so what will tend to happen from, from there is that you, you won't be consistent. So you'll kind of, you'll be all or nothing in that sense. And the, the key to this is that you can save and invest money consistently. Um, in a really sustainable way. Uh, and 
The other part of it too is if if you have too much of a bias towards saving, you're actually going to neglect to go and spend money on things that will improve your situation in other ways. So we talked earlier about human capital. You're going to be less likely to go and put yourself through another level of schooling that will increase your income and your opportunities. Um, you're going to be less likely to go and, uh, you know, put yourself through personal development courses that will change the way you look at the world, go and have experiences in your life like travel and things that change your perspective on what matters as well, where you want to um, spend your time. And so you actually become poorer as a result of that. And so become poor in spirit. So there's a balance with this sort of stuff. We're saying that savings is integral, uh, but if you do it at the expense of everything else, uh, then just like everything, uh, you know, too much of any one thing is not a good thing. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's explore pillar number three, which is grow your money machine. This is about investing that savings and using it to produce an income that grows over time, isn't it? Yeah, that's really the as you're talking about early on, and that's when we talked about self reliance is building up your passive income stream so that it covers your living expenses. Yeah, and Start I think to buy back time. Yeah, so we we kind of talk about it in the start here and uh, the start here page on the site, but yeah, you know, this is we it's called income investing. Yep, uh, and we'll go into it more when we when we get to the you know the actual podcast we do as a deep dive on this. Um, but the difference here is that we're investing for the income. We don't care about the number. Mm-hmm. So it's not about building a big net worth on the balance sheet. It's about building an income that can eventually pay for your lifestyle. And um, yeah, this is a point where I think where you start to get a little bit of leverage because, like I said before, your financial capital is starting to work just as hard as you are. Um, and it's almost a bit of a snowball effect when you get to this stage. Things start to kind of, it takes less effort to get more speed, more velocity, and to get things working your way. Yeah, building that snowball that can it can eventually grow at its own its own rate of pace. Yep, yep. And this is where a, I think a lot of people fall down before they even start. Yep. Because investing, while well, for some it's quite sexy. Yep. For other, it's full of fear. Yes, it's yeah. one of those things where headlines get in the way of actually exploring this this part of their financial life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, only this week we've seen probably. 37 headlines saying <laughs> the share market's dropped by 60, 70, 80, 100 billion, um, <laughs> yeah. which is only a, you know, one or 2% fall in, in market value. Yeah. Yeah. And what that actually does to the psyche is detrimental to the, the progress that people need to make. Well, guess who it fires up? Who does it fire up? It fires up Gollum. Gollum. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So uh, people can't think clearly. They can't think clearly about it. No. And and think logically and rationally about yeah. the decisions they need to make to produce the income that they need to reach fire. Yeah, and just if you guys haven't don't know what I'm talking about when I've talked about Colum, go back to the How to Think Clearly About Money podcast. What I'm talking about is the animal part of your brain, uh, the the part that doesn't deal with logic, rationality. It doesn't think clearly in that way. It's um it's more focused on your survival. Yep. And what I love about this pillar is. And we've been, I've been in the advice space for five years now, you know, we've read all the books. We, you start to realize that this doesn't need to be complex. No. Quite often the simplest strategy, the simplest approach is actually the most beneficial. It's that whole Occam's razor thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's, that's essentially what you just said. The simplest, the simplest uh, solutions, often the most effective. Yep. And having a, having a money machine that can adapt with you as well. I think the way 
we are starting to live our lives now is a lot different to the generations beforehand. So we want to be moving around. We want to be traveling. We don't want to be stuck in one place. Yeah. So having a money machine that can move with you is, is becoming really important to people as well. Definitely. And so we'll dive. So what happens if you focus too much on the money machine and neglect some of the other elements? Well, probably the most common one here is where you've got somebody who's uh, you know, obsessed with the investing side of things. They've got a, you know, a really big risk tolerance Yep. Uh, and they, they go out and they pursue that risk and actually they neglect, they neglect to see the other side of it. Uh, and so they're, you know, maybe they've got a big portfolio and they've got a whole bunch of different things invested. Um, but then they don't have good protection. They haven't, in, they haven't sort of invested in protecting themselves against loss. And, uh, and then inevitably when chance does come along and we'll talk about, you know, this kind of is a, probably a good segue into the last pillar, uh, when inevitably does, when life does throw a curveball, um, you know, they're not protected and all their hard work can be for nothing. Um, mm-hmm. so that's probably what happens when someone's overly biased on this investing one. They're sort of number one, like I said, they're maybe they're doing too much transition, but this one, they probably neglecting to, um, you know, position themselves for safety in the, in the event that things uh, don't go the way they planned. Yeah. Good call. And the other thing is when you, there's this almost a point where if you go beyond it, you actually become, it's almost detrimental to how good of an investor you are because you can learn everything you need to, to get to the point in time where you do invest and you make the decision you put everything in place. Yeah. But then if you spend too much time focusing on it, you actually become at the whims of or, or your, your emotions are at the whims of what the market's doing too. Oh yeah. Cause we Check know it. that, we know that watching your money machine, um, isn't always a good thing. Well, the more you watch it is a direct correlation with how much you watch it and how many silly decisions you make. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the difference between focusing on how much income is being generated versus yeah. What's a what's a market value? What's the, yeah. the value that yeah. the, the share price is yeah. displaying at the time? And that's probably an important point, right? When we talk about growing your money machine, we're not talking about becoming Warren Buffett. Mm. There's only one Warren Buffett. What we're talking about is basically simplifying this financial, the investment side of your life, so that your money starts to work just as hard as you are. And time does the heavy lifting, not yep. you, not you. You should be focusing on your career, um, getting as much as you can out of that. Yeah, in terms of your own uh, your own return for yourself, um, but also maximizing that earning potential, building those savings, just doing this consistently. Yeah, and if you've done it well, all you need to be doing really is is contributing to it, putting yep. fuel in the engine, yep. and letting it run. Yeah, and taking advantage of these fluctuations. You know, if it goes down, it was funny. Like last week, someone come and said to me, "Oh, the stock market's do- dropping," and I'm like, "That means stocks are on sale." <laughs> what are you worried about? <laughs> I'll take a discount. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, let's let's fire into pillar number four, which is shield yourself from disaster. Insurance. Yeah, not everyone's favorite topic, but crucial, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this one's just about. Making sure that you use insurance intelligently to protect yourself from those curveballs we spoke about earlier. Uh, I think we kind of sort of say, look, you know, if, you, if you've got an investment portfolio, you should probably have a protection portfolio as well. Mm. And when you think about it like this, we all insure our cars, right? But our cars are a depreciating asset. Your human capital, if you're the average Aussie, let's say the average Aussie's, their wage is about 80 grand, I think it is. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The average Aussie's um, wage is 80 grand. They'll work for probably 40, 40 years or 45 years. What's that? That's about 3.2, 3.5 million maybe. Mm-hmm. That's what your human capital is worth. 
but not many people actually have themselves properly insured. But yet, your shitty Toyota Camry that's decreased in value every month, you've got that insured and you're paying for it. <laughs> I think that it's, uh, it's crazy logic to me. Hey, I drove a Corolla for a while and I had well into it before I protected myself. That's, it's just a common, common mistake. Super common. Something that we do. Yeah. Crazy when you think about it like that, right? Yeah. And it's, it's making sure that your finances are actually sustainable too. Because yep. we, th- we have this invincible nature where we're like, it won't happen to me. Yeah. And I've, I've definitely been one of those people that has, has held those same beliefs. Um, but having you know worked in financial advice previously to what we're doing now, um, you become you become quite aware of how common it actually is. Oh yeah, shit goes down. Yeah, because you're dealing with their um their, their insurance policies and claims and all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, you start to see the numbers. You yeah, see, you know, one in two people yeah. make an income protection claim. Yeah, so protecting your human capital. Yeah, if you you know look at the person next to you right now. One of, the, one of the two of you is probably going to have to rely on it at some stage. Yeah. And if you don't have it, what, what are you going to do? You yeah. have to rely on the generosity of others. Um, or you have to, you know, put up a GoFundMe page, you, you know. It's, uh, yeah, they're, they're not ideal situations. So really it's just about making sure that you do the right thing before anything happens. Yeah. Oh, I think the perfect contrast to make is we talk about sometimes with our members, don't we, about handing around the hat yeah it, when we talk to talk about insurance you know back in the day the villagers would you know hand around the hat once something had happened yeah so that you could put together your resources to to pay for the treatment or pay for yep. the, the care of, of yep. somebody that fell ill this is actually just handing around the hat before anything happens yeah yeah and really now when you see when you see people that you know you have to hold a, a concert or benefit or something after something's happened yeah it's actually um, because that person has neglected to to hand around the hat or put money in the hat beforehand, beforehand. isn't it? Which yeah. is which is putting the premiums in the pool. And that's the big thing about insurance, right? It's actually not even just for you. The when you put when you put when you pay your premiums through insurance, um, you you actually allow other people to be protected as well. Mm. So you're not just doing it for you; you're actually doing it for the a virtual village of people that you've never met. It's one of the most generous things you can do. So I kind of laugh when people talk about giving to charity and they're not insured. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably part of that is thinking that insurance companies are out to take your dollars too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's understandable, but the truth is, you know, there's more to, there's more to the story. Yeah. Uh, what, what happens if you, you focus too much on your insurance, uh, shielding your, yourself from disaster? Never, like, never really seen this. <laughs> <laughs> Humans don't operate this way. Um, look, I think, the reason we don't generally, and the reason we don't see this much is because we don't account for chance in our lives. You know, we don't think, we don't think well in terms of probabilities. Our minds aren't built that way. And, um, you know, we just think that, uh, you know, outcomes are a result of one thing, which is skill. But actually there is always a result of two things, which is skill and chance. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's the reason most people are underinvested in this way. It's probably good that in super we've got some level of investment, but usually it's a crappy form. Yes. Um, but I guess if you were biased towards protection, what you might find is that you're paying a lot of money in premiums, but you're actually not, you're not insuring much because you probably don't have much human capital. You're not earning that much. Um, you probably don't have any financial capital that's working for you as well. Uh, and you definitely haven't saved. So it's sort of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's almost a case of 
being too responsible. <laughs> um, being too, being too yeah. defensive and not, not aggressive enough, basically. Yeah. What, I, what I actually do like about the fourth pillar, which is shield yourself, is you can actually get a quick win there too because we, we've actually put together a worksheet for you guys um, to really assess yourself against these four pillars just to get a feel for where you're at and see where you might be able to focus some of your attention and effort to build up your, you know, your personal finances to, yep. to make sure that you are uh, well balanced. Yeah. Um, you can find that at www.cashflowdojo.com forward slash pillars to spell Cashflow Dojo for you, just in <laughs> case you're unsure. C-A-S-H-F-L-O-D-O-J-O. Drop the W. Yeah. Really making it easy for ourselves there. And... How and yeah, and should you shield yourself from disasters? Really, one where you can tick that box pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess once you once you've left home and you've become independent. Yep. Um, it's one of the probably one of the first places to start. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, because you know, think the the younger you are, the more your human capital is worth over time. So you're actually richer in human capital than someone who's fifty and earns five times as much as you. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe not five times, but um, so you've got more. You've got more to lose than somebody who's fifty years old in that sense. Yeah. Uh, so it, that's that's kind of like almost first port of call. Um, and just to add to that, in terms of the link there, the link will be in the show notes as well. If you if you uh, if you yeah, beautiful couldn't get that. All right, cool. Let's do a quick recap. So four pillars of personal finance. The first one was maximize your earning potential. Second one was supercharge your savings. Third one was grow your money machine. And the fourth one was shield yourself from disaster. So take some time to think about this in your own, your own personal context and start thinking about what you can do now to, to build towards, you know, that place of fire. Um, because there is, there is always something that you can be doing and this is probably a good place to start. Definitely. And the other thing is to... We're going to do a deep dive on every single one of these pillars over the next four episodes. I'm going to call it our escape plan series. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're really interested in one of these, you do the audit um, and you assess yourself and you say, I'm really weak in this area. What should I do? Um, Pay attention to the feed because more, we've got more content coming at you guys. We're going to delve right into each one of these. Um, So for example, earn more. How do you actually go about earning more? What's the process you can follow? What are the actual steps you can take? Uh, to make sure that human capital is going to start working harder for you over time. Um, so we want to make it super practical, super um, tactical sort of tools, tips and tricks mm-hmm. um, to help you guys, uh, you know, execute this game plan with uh, with perfection because that's what it is, remember? It's a game plan. Yeah, nice. Okay, that might do us for today. Guys, if you got value for yourself uh, and you really like the content here and you're looking forward to the escape plan series that's coming up for you, uh, then make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you can also think of one person who you've had a conversation about this with in the last month, Mm. make sure you share this podcast with them and start a conversation because one of the best ways to learn new things is to discuss it with other people. The little secret of this whole podcast is it's our opportunity to solidify our own learning. Every time we get to discuss it, we learn more. So encourage you to do that as well. If you liked it, um, share it with someone who you want to have a conversation with it about. And um, that's a way to sort of supercharge that learning as well. Yeah, definitely. 